Steve, you'll just be our ringmaster tonight, and then we'll just uh, wind fall you in. up and let you go. <laughs> cool. This is episode 138 of GI Joburg. I'm your ringmaster, Steve, and I'm joined by the dancing troop of clowns. GI Joburg, Paul. Uh, yeah, Joe Derbrick. Rob? <laughs> I feel like you guys should say what continent you're on, or is that just kind of jump the shark that we're in plenty of different time zones? For some people, it's midnight. Paul, For people Rob, on the West who's Coast. who's speaking right now? It's Cujo oh, on the West Coast. It's Cujo. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> name check yourself on the way in, man, because nice. maybe we've got some first-time listeners out there. Wow. And they're all trying I'm to sorry, play this game of like, who's who in the zoo? Well, I'm Steve, and I am broadcasting from the lovely continent down under. Australia, baby. Down under? Yeah. Yeah. Paul is broadcasting from the lovely continent of Africa, Johannesburg. <laughs> Be precise, gangsters paradise. Yeah, boy. Wait a minute. Whoa. Which one of you is Paul? Uh, I was uh, I was speaking for Paul. <laughs> Ooh. I Rob thought you were going to throw a spanner in the work. <laughs> Ooh, spanners. Talking about spanners. What's your favorite road pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Supersonic Fighters, actually. Whoa. Ooh, should we it's, really it's, in there? It's kind of crazy, <laughs> actually. <laughs> because, like, the first two versions, are, I mean, it's exactly the same figure. They're just different paint jobs. Hang on, mm. what has that got to do with spanners? Um, uh, the dreadnoughts? And throwing <laughs> stuff into it. Yeah, so they've got like weird weapons and, and like weird shit and they're like mechanics. So, nice. he's uh, always imagined like, to be mechanics. Robbie's throwing a cinder block hammer in the works. That's right, dude. <laughs> he's, he's, he's coming live off his back broke pro. Oh. Oh, oh. I think okay, the no, no computer smack talk on this episode, please. <laughs> it's a very, so very you... personal subject for me. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no, the, the Asus Dirt. is still functioning perfectly. But oh, thank God. Yeah, dudes. I mean, coming from the year that I had last year of fighting that bloody Acer piece of shit notebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, the scars run deep. Anyways, are we really talking definitive road pig? Well, as I say, Supersonic Fighters for me, uh, I guess being in the Nintendo Entertainment System game goes a long way uh, towards making that figure definitive. (laughs) Also, he was my first road pig, and once you've got that kind of like Cheetos, self-tan complexion, like sort of... (laughs) ingrained in your perception of the figure all of a sudden seeing him a pale pasty white it doesn't work i'm like no man this guy he's seen the tan can and also the green (laughs) hair so the orange hair with the green stripe Uh, man it's yeah i i don't know i don't know i'm i'm a supersonic fighters guy the dreadnoughts are the one subgroup where neon colors are not only not only do they work but they are almost encouraged (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like their vehicles. 80s dreadnoughts are actually a reflection of like 70s Woodstock rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. I think Road Pig well, well, version 2 yeah. is more reflective of the 80s, to be honest. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, Road Pig version one is very Mad Max. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. undeniable. Yeah. Like, uh, which kind of throws him at odds with the Dreadnoughts, as far as I'm concerned. Like that aesthetic pushes it beyond the Thunderdome. Uh, be- <laughs> beyond the original uh, Dreadnought aesthetic. I'm just making shit up right now. I, I'm totally off the script right now. Like, the, I didn't, I didn't consider this as a topic up front. So you guys are getting very candid answers. I'm interested to know what you guys think. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna throw a Cinderblog camera into the works, as it were. As much as I have, like, sort of an affinity for the version 2 road pick, uh, cause it's also my first road pick, my first introduction to him. And it was, at the time, one of the only two figures I had that were in the, the G.I. Joe video game. I'm talking about the Atlantis Factor, cause I had Hawk and, uh, road pick. And I had, um, Stalker, but I mean, he was kind of like a non-entity in that game anyway. Um, oh, you're crossing, so it was like, you're oh, crossing I- your different video games at this point. I think Road, Road Pig was in the first one, tossing the uh, the Cracker Jacks, <laughs> the car- caramel popcorn. That, no, that that is true, <laughs> but um, I'm talking about in the second because I played Advances Factor before I played the first GI Joe game. Right. So that was yeah. Oh, so I was always confused as why he had like a hammer. Like I was like, why does he have a hammer? Because the su- Supersonic Fighters are one, or you know, Soundproof Warriors, or whatever's, um, version doesn't have one. Uh, it doesn't have a cinder block. So that was always a bit, like, odd, because I wasn't really sure if it was him in the beginning. Um, but anyway, I've always had this, like, affinity towards that figure, and I would love to get the Collector's Club exclusive of him, because I really love the modern era version of this toy. And I know I'm probably going to be the only one in G.I. Joe book that's going to say this, because I think I'm the only one that owns it. <laughs> but he is so well yeah. done. And and there are things that version 2 takes away from the original, and I'll start with this, okay? And I'm going to talk about version 1 uh, sort of in detail quickly. Version 1 has these tattoos on him. He's got that anarchy symbol tattoo. And that just mm. gives him something. Like, like I know for a fact that when if I was a kid and I had this toy, somebody in my class would be like, oh, that's satanic. <laughs> you know, like so much like, like a like a pentacle, which is often perverted and used for the satanic symbol. But like they would have been like that's satanic. So like that kind of in my like being older now, that kind of gives it some street cred. And I love his gear. He's got such great accessories. And I actually feel that the modern era figure is just such a great love letter to that because yes, we're getting pretty much a reused body, but we have a fantastic sculpt. We've got this cool cobra tattoo on his pec which okay to be fair he's not really cobra and it's not really a very cobra styled cobra tattoo so he gets away with it he's still got an anarchy symbol and he brings us some great gear like you know the cinder block hammer returns the shoulder pads return um and he's got this alligator alley um shield which is a dented street sign and i love that i think it's so creative and it's such a great um addition to this figure and if you were one of those lucky few out there listening to this who managed to get the 50th anniversary set with the um, the night landing craft and the um, vamp and the skyhawk. Um, then you were lucky enough to get that cool weapons chest, which sort of fills in some of the missing weapons. And one of the missing weapons is his wrist-mounted uh, crossbow thingy. So now I have a truly complete Road Pig Modern Era figure, which to me is 
pretty much as good as version one, but it's going to be my favorite for this because I really love that toy. So that, that's got to be my definitive road pig. I've got love for the modern era buck. I mean, that body is the resolute roadblock body, and that is a terrific body sculpt. Big time. Yeah, mm. love it. Love it. And such cool hands as well for his weapons. You know, they, they mm. work with his weapons. At least yeah, mine yeah. work. You change the complexion, yeah. and it really does change the body sculpt. I mean, it, it, it is roadblock, but at the same time, like, it's road pig. You know? <laughs> Give it that pasty white, bearing all my skin, but managing to avoid a tan <laughs> complexion. And <laughs> it's oh. perfect. Perfect. It's just a pity he's missing that cool, you know, um, like, crotch binder thing. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, right? <laughs> With, With the, the studs. little metal... You know, I used to reason that those were like buttons that he was able to somehow <laughs> like like remote control shit with those buttons, <laughs> like he could set up his flamethrower or his machine gun. Yeah, dude, I, I will say the so- supersonic fighters' weapons are also not to be sneered at. I mean, in an era yeah. where we were moving towards parts reuse and you know n- n- ununique weapons, for for the supersonic fighters to all have very unique weapons was pretty cool. And uh, they were pretty cool sculpts at that. Like those, that double machine gun with the two sort of drum magazines. Mm. That shit was the bomb, man. Instant fire so, superiority, which is... It doesn't know, belong with him. Ah, whatever. <laughs> I think it belongs yeah. with him in a big way. He's, he's a heavy gunner for, uh, for Cobra's side, so to speak. Not a heavy Cobra, because I think the other machine gun is actually from the Saw Viper, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, it's Rob, unique. are you stepping in, or am I? They're both <laughs> unique. They're both unique, and I think the one is a flame weapon, actually, if the file card is anything to uh, to go by. I feel like, yeah, yeah. What, what am I going to choose? I feel like me and Kuja are both leaning towards the original, because... Sure. <laughs> because yeah, yes, I would say yes. I grew up with the with you know the orange one, um, and that's kind of the one that I always remembered. But I think what Paul says is probably more true because you know the original does look more like who I imagine Rogue Pig is, and that, and that tattoo adds so much to the character. And I like that he's more kind of grounded and fits in with the rest of the team, the original version of him, rather than his Sonic Fighters version. The color scheme isn't yes. Dreadnoughts are wild, but they don't have to be wildly coloured, you know, to be a dreadnought. <laughs> Ninja <laughs> Force Zartan looking at you funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a classic look, and yeah, it comes with a couple of cool weapons, like you know, as you said, a little crossbow, um, the cinder block which he keeps throwing in the works, um, and that weird little forearm shield which protects him from bullets or something. I don't know. That's straight um, balls, dude. It's as <laughs> contrived as uh, Wonder Woman's bracelets. It's like, if there's a bullet flying through the air, chances are she's going to knock it out with her bracelets. <laughs> like, wow, are those things magnetic? But yeah, that, 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 that's, those are the reasons why I choose the original. Um, Kudro, what, what do you think? I'm not going to go with Sonic Fighters. Like Steven said, that's almost like a spray-on tan road pig. I don't know, man. Those guys are never dangerous. They may look like Tarzan, but they're probably going to hit like Jane. So that road pick does not frighten me. Uh, the original does, probably because of the fiction behind him. Uh, you know, I think there's that comic cover where he's firing directly at the viewer. Um, Property of road pig. Yeah. 
He did rough up some ninjas, didn't he? Uh, or a ninja. I don't know. The, the card art and that line about him being ugly to the bone or something like that. And then uh, if you grew up playing basketball or shirts and skins on a soccer field, whatever, you do not want to play somebody who's no shirt on and they're greasy. And that's Road yeah. Pig, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can so, second that. <laughs> I think I think the I like the wrist launcher because it's it's either it's a one shot kill like it, it's random but if it hits it hits and he's got the hammer so it makes for a good gladiatorial scene. I think I got to go with the original. I think one there thing that that is worth saying just before we we sort of round up um, and tally everybody's sort of perspective even though version one's probably one <laughs> um, yeah, because it's it a bit of a split, but. It's so weird how this toy, just when you look at it, actually kind of betrays what he is. Because when you look at it, he is just an oaf. But then when you actually find out, like, you know, via the comic, who he is, and that he's got, like, a multiple personality disorder, that really adds such a cool dimension to this character. It really makes him more than a big bruiser type. And it's probably why, in in a lot of ways, he's sort of endured. I don't know, I just, I think that's why he's sort of stuck, at least stuck with me. Because when I found out that, like, he, you know, he'll switch into a mode where he's super polite and what quotes Shakespeare, quotes Hamlet or Othello, <laughs> I think it is. I think he <laughs> yeah. just speaks in very sort of highfalutin English. I uh, love it. I think it's so cool. <laughs> Quasi Shakespearean. Yeah. It's such an interesting character twist, and and also, but his weapons do sort of suggest something like that. Because on the one side he's cinder blocks, and on the other side he's got a crossbow. And that crossbow tells me that that's something that requires a little bit of mental focus, a bit of stability, you know, just something that's a little bit more clear. So maybe when he switches into his, like, Hamlet mode, let's call it that for now, um, he's more, like, crossbow-based. And then when he switches into Road Pig, he's more, you know, Cinderblock and Stomp. Anyway, I mean, we, I mean I, I'm just talking, I'm just... Throwing ideas and the duality exists in his weapon assortment. Yeah, wow. it's road pig off the cuff. Looks yeah. like uh, looks like version one is gonna take it with dissenting opinions for supersonic fighters and the modern era road pig yeah. with uh, ample assistance from that weapons box. Yes. But uh, in parting, I will say this much: only one of the versions we've discussed makes its way into the DIC animated series. So, Ooh. there, there, there's some great points there. <laughs> Definitely, if you enjoyed the DIC animated series. Okay, dudes, what's new with you? Like, we should have done this on the way in, but Rob blindsided us with Road Pig and his hammer. Yeah, dude. What and is everyone up pig, to? Like... I I'm I don't know where I am. I'm I don't know if I'm coming or going, but like I want to know from you guys. Like, <laughs> what is new with you? Um, what? I'm sort of making. I've sort of started making a little bit of money, so I'm just sorting out some debts and stuff, which is really good because I hate debts. So I'm just like that. That is exciting for me not to have debts because then that clears the path for me to be able to buy toys and a plane ticket to Hong Kong, baby. Um, so yeah, woo. So I'm sorting that out. And I I feel like I have to mention this because it's the only time I'm going to mention it in this episode. I have recently laid eyes on the Transformers Siege line of toys, um, as some of them have been 
appearing in select toy shops in South Africa, more the specialty toy shops. And I got to say, I really love those toys. And, you know, we've had this great episode about, you know, focusing on your collection and all that stuff. And uh, it's so hard to focus on your collection and, and keep stuff like, you know, manageable when, you know, Hasbro, uh, Hasbro slash Takata makes these really awesome Transformers figures. And they're just so beautiful. They stand out amongst all the shitty Bumblebee release stuff and cartoon stuff. It's been really re- refreshing to see Chromia and a very cool version of Prowl out there. I'm excited. And I've also noticed that it looks like the American versions, or the, should I say, the Western releases, don't seem to have weathering or battle damage. Um when I say battle damage, I mean it's a paint application. It's not actually physical battle damage on the on the toy itself. But it looks like the Japanese or the Asian versions have all kinds of like weathering on them, which I've looked up on the internet. Seems like it's causing quite a bit of it's it's, it's a bit of a split. Some people love it and people hate it. There's no like middle ground, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, even amongst us, I believe. But yeah, that's that's what's been happening in my, my life. Uh, you know, keeping it down low, just, you know, making sure shit's stable. Dropping a bombshell. Okay. Who likes weathering on their Transformers and who likes their Transformers clean? Whoa. I, oh, wow. I like clean Transformers. Like, there's just, they have to be, I mean, how do you, how do you fit in if you're all weathered and, and rubbish? I don't think that's cool. And it affects the transformation, I think, or at least makes it maybe a little more difficult to transform. Yeah, but it's supposed to be holographic, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's so weird with Transformers lore, because is it holographic? Is it physical? I don't know. My biggest (laughs) issue with the Bayformers, which comes at the top of a very long laundry list, but my biggest one, which really pulled me out every time, was how they'd be so battle scarred in their robot modes you know burnt and dusty and muddy (laughs) and like you know dinged up and you know paint wear and then they transform into these perfectly pimp my ride camaros and pickup trucks (laughs) and hummers and stuff and i'm like Wow, guys, this shit just rolled off like uh, n- not even like production line. Yeah, production line. This has like been souped up, wax job, LED lights underneath. Like, come on, uh, yeah. who are you fooling, man? Give it's me first time blending in. Yeah, and you know all of that shit is just because of the car manufacturers. You know that, right? I mean, that's oh, because of course. I'm sure Camaro yeah. or Chevy, like they, they, yeah, no, there was no ways you're gonna have a, a slightly blemished car. Uh, in front of that camera. Like, they're like, yeah. this is going to be seen by half the world's population. Forget that. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> do you know, I was in the Middle East once, and American cars are extremely popular in, yeah. um, in, in Qatar. I've heard this too. Yeah. And the most popular car that I saw, like, like, nine times out of ten, you'd see one roll by a yellow Camaro with black speed stripes. I'm like, jeez, guys, real original. Everyone's driving Bumblebee here. Of course, I don't know if the oil sheiks really know Bumblebee, but they've seen this yellow Camaro. Like it's somehow somehow in you know infiltrated into in pop both. culture to the yeah. point where it's like as cliche as a red Ferrari. It's like if you're gonna get a Camaro, it's got to be canary yellow with two black speed stripes. 
Anyways. Rob, what's happening on your side of the world, bro? <clears throat> Um, yeah, things have started getting quite busy. Um, I'll talk talk about it more later. Um, but yeah, um, things are ramping up for a, a big event that uh, our, our shop is involved in. We've also had a couple of other events recently. And yeah, there's just been a lot of stuff to do. Lots of packing, unpacking, taking stuff to shows, you know, long hours, sitting at conventions. <laughs> I always think it's actually better to be a guest at a convention or, you know, kind of like visit a convention and work a convention because there, there comes a point where, where you really do get a bit bored and you're like, what am I doing? Why? Um, which is why I really enjoyed uh, Jocon because we were, you know, just visiting and just yeah, being I mean, there and having fun. <laughs> just just being in the moment. Nobody's got exactly. their phones. <laughs> there's no worries. There's nothing. You don't have to think about anything. You're just like, ah, I'm here and I'm having fun. Yeah, but yeah, I think so. Things have started ramping up for this event, um, and yeah, things have gotten quite busy. Nothing much else, really, unfortunately. But I'm excited for 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 what's coming up. All this, all the good stuff. Are you guys enjoying any good beverages tonight? Anything like that? <laughs> Zero innuendo, but I am drinking some green tea. Not to be confused Whoa. with uh, green tea. <laughs> you know what I mean, Kujo. <laughs> I do. <clears throat> uh, I'm enjoying coffee. I'm just having a nice coffee out of my Pokemon mug. <laughs> Ooh. All right. On brand. Gotta, Nicely done. Got to drink it all. <laughs> <laughs> Is Paul bent over the uh, drawing table? Is that what's going on? Jeez, I should hope not. I am oh bent my. over the drawing table. Is the German getting experimental? <laughs> No, no. Bending <laughs> him over the drawing table. Let's see. I uh, I have been bouncing around a little bit. I decided to go back to one of my homes in the Midwest uh, to kind of share that world with uh, my lady. Um, so I covered uh, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Hmm. It was it was a bit much. Um, but uh, I did have some great conversations and an interesting plane ride. Uh. I'm not going to get into it too much because I'll probably play with a file cards format at some point. But uh, no, it was it was a good trip. Uh, just kind of getting back into the flow on the West Coast. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a couple weeks. I'm definitely taking a look at uh, quote unquote convention season stateside. I think that's when me and Rob will start throwing haymakers. Hmm. That's hey, all I got hey. right now. Yeah. You'll be at Joe Fest, right? Uh, yes. All signs point to yes. Uh, you guys mentioned, or Stephen mentioned, uh, and it, it has been a podcast that's been bumping around, uh, Talking Joe, uh, last time we chatted. Oh, I, yeah. I was, uh, I was inspired by Stephen's words to, uh, they're a little bit lifestyle for me. Um, I'm just going to oh, say that. That's, that's, that's not a so bad thing. good, man. Those guys, what makes it so appealing is, is they are very British. But like real Brits, you know, like, hmm. uh, and that's, I, I almost enjoy hearing them speak about their lives and, uh, inside chief's mind, <laughs> as okay. much as I enjoy their sort of uh, issue breakdowns. That's fair. And I, I, I do think that there's, you know, obviously that's why it's, it's cool to have so many different Joe spectrums out there. Uh, but but because of because of your praise uh, last time we talked, I did throw on one of their latest 
one of the first things I hear is they're saying that they're the best G.I. Joe podcast. I'm sure I'm sure it was, you know, just uh, levity. But I did a it, I think it does give us a, a, an, an ex, a social experiment in a positive way to do. Um, let me let me jump a genre real quick. Oh, you're breaking uh, the Internet because doesn't um, knowing is half the podcast also say they're the best G.I. Joe podcast? What? Whoa. Yeah, dude. Every episode. They're like, you're listening to the best G.I. Joe podcast on the Internet. And okay. I'm not going to pour scorn on those guys because they do a great job, too. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point. They're not the greatest G.I. Joe podcast. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not about to throw adjectives I'm around. Kidding. I'm kidding. Every, every podcast fills its niche and everyone is, oh, geez, this sounds so soppy, but everyone's the best at what they do. Oh. Well, I think it's just cool that, that fans have so many well, avenues to get their Joe fix anyway. So that's, let, that's I'll a, say this much about uh, Talking Joe. Just like G.I. Joe Berg, they've got, you know, two lifelong friends and fans of G.I. Joe as the hosts. I don't think G.I. Joe Berg would work at all if, like, I hadn't grown up with you, Rob. You're right. It wouldn't no, no, work. I'll fuck all it right, up well. completely. <laughs> <laughs> no, Steve, I get what okay, you're saying. Okay, so though. your network is only as big as... You let it be. Um, That's the breakdown with Cujo. It sounds to me like Cujo just wants uh, a bit of stroking, to be honest. (laughs) No, I... Um, We have 6K subscribers on YouTube, my man. And people tell me that subscribers matter very little. Fair enough. 32K views on our last video. And I like the direction this is headed. If you want stroking, my man, let me tell you, you... Go to that comment section and you can feel stroke. <laughs> With 95% of those comments. Yes, and it's so nice because I also get those notifications. So I wake up in the morning. You guys are so cool. This is amazing. Wow, you guys oh. are great. Dope. This but is there's amazing. Always, there's always the other 5%. I'm an asshole. Yes, you well, are. <laughs> having having a video that's done as well as uh, our flag floating video, um, let's just call it that, is always going to attract you know downvotes, a handful, and you know comments that are perhaps slightly more critical because people are watching us for the first time. They don't know us. They don't know what we do. They're expecting greatness, and then they see hands in the shot, and they're like, "Well, this is lame." Uh, but then perhaps other elements will win them over. Look, I, I, I take those kind of comments with a pinch of salt because, as I say, they don't know that we came from a kind of a review style and we've always been about playing with the toys. And also, mm-hmm. stop motion is impossible. Particularly... And so telekinesis. Particularly on a, <laughs> you know, in a, in a, in a, a real-world location. If you've got a soundstage with lighting that you can lock off, a set that oh, you can look off. Crazy. Fine. Yeah. But if you're shooting in the sand, in the ocean, you know, in the world, stop motion becomes impossible. And if not impossible, very jarring because, damn, that palm front keeps moving shot to shot. <laughs> also, I don't think I'd enjoy the process of stop motion. It would be mm. maddeningly frustrating. Like, there are times on location where I'm like, I want to give this up. I don't want to throw in the towel. Like, this is just <laughs> proving to be too arduous. I'm craning over this toy, trying to get it to behave. God, imagine if I was taking 
hundreds of still photographs for one one shot yeah and then having to like export them and sort them no jeez anyways i mean like most people don't consider the technical side of stop motion they're just like you want a quick way of eliminating being in the shots there you go only it's not a quick way and believe me i mean i've considered it but it's quickly quickly chucked under the rug but it'll be 24 shots a second for a second of footage, which means <laughs> our stuff would essentially be you don't have to shoot 20. No, you don't have to shoot 24 frames a second. With stop motion, well, you, can, you can do the kind of the animation rule of thumb, which is about 14 frames a second. You can shoot in twos. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. But I like to see Rob's gigantic face hovering above the tower. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was like, I do too. Well, I do too. But that, that's why you know, like that's why you can effectively ignore a lot of that five percent of criticism because it's not necessarily constructive. Um, it's not actually critic. Uh, the- it's not critique. It's criticism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's yeah. the people that don't know our stuff. So the people who do know well, our stuff, thankfully, everyone is listening. If, if you have a skin that's semi-thick, <laughs> most people that are trying to start a conversation on the internet, they don't want to stroke. They're trying to, you know, interject. But to wrap it up on a nice bow, the whole reason I brought that up, if if a podcast that's just starting out is trying to uh, bump your visibility, bump their signal. The conversation in your network should happen at the highest point, you know? So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, hmm. yeah like, no, It creates no, you know, conversation. You help people. Yeah, well, have you guys I, heard of social media? Uh, <laughs> social media guru, Cujo. Well, I'll, I'll give you guys... Um, well, I'll just I'll, I'll share a, a recent experience uh, experience that I had now with another channel that I watch. I watch quite a few Gundam uh, channels as well uh, because it's always interesting to see guys unbox the to- uh, the model kits and go through them, and then some of them assemble them and they do like full 360 degree turnaround. You know, usual review fodder, but it's really helpful. Mm. You know, it's really cool. And then you hear their thoughts. And um, one of the guys or two very popular Gundam dudes had posted a review of the same Gundam. Literally, I mean, they were like minutes apart, like three minutes apart or something. And somebody actually took to the comments on the one and said, ooh, uh, throwing some shade, huh? You know, like on the other guy. (laughs) And the dude's like, what? Like, no, he's not. It's like, whatever. You know, like, there's not, like, I I think people sometimes want to think that there's a silent war that's going on between these podcasts and these YouTube um, content creators, and they actually isn't like, you know, no, I, I can actually say this doing now. Their own things. Yeah, I can actually yeah. say this now and actually say that, like, you know, meeting people like Chris and meeting, you know, Joe Slepsky and meeting other people that do this stuff, like meeting Brian Lauer and and being part of like things like Cobra Convergence, hasn't been like a competition for us. It's been like inspiration if anything it's, it's mm. been like we, we we've interacted and we've like seen uh, seen something in their stuff or heard something in their stuff or even had the privilege of having them as guests on our on our episodes and we've just i feel that we've gotten better because of it and and we're better because we have all of these these entities sort of around so like this idea of like throwing shade or whatever is is really not our thing at all i mean there's nobody in this community that I think we as G.I. Joburg would look at and go, oh, we're going to destroy them. You know, we're like, no way. No. It's not <laughs> the HCC's 
doing his thing and that uh, Form BX does his thing. And it's so cool to see how, that they do it so differently that it makes it worth watching twice. You know, it, it's great that there's content. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's the same thing in the art field. People want to believe that all of these artists are competing against each other. But, like, actually the best artists are the guys that, like, get in with the other artists and work together, you know, like... I'll add a little epilogue to what you're saying. While there is no uh, hate among content creators, at least not in the G.I. Joe niche, and certainly not on YouTube, it took quite a bit of restraint from me when someone commented on our USS Flag uh, review that we stole the idea from Mike Mercy. It took all the restraint in the world in me to say, why don't you scroll up and check the dates? Yeah. <laughs> He also happens to name drop us in his video. I mean, Mike is a real stand-up guy. He wasn't going to that's you know, another guy, Mike Mercy. Just sort oh. of take take on yeah, the sort of the awesome. raising of the flag concept and, and make it his own. But I will say this much: like, I don't feel like G.I. Joe has ownership on that concept. Like, no, it, not seemed, at all. It, it seemed obvious enough to me. I'd be very True. surprised if we were actually the first people to put the flag on some kind of base. No, yeah. but maybe just the first to kind of put it out there. Yeah, look, it is far too an intuitive idea to to take any kind of ownership of. That is mm. definitely yeah. public domain. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to get upset uh, if we're not hailed as the first people to do it. Even if we were, you know, if ironically <laughs> the collective world of flag owners out there, no one actually did that. Um, I, I, we certainly aren't the first people to float the flag. That photograph no. has been in circulation for decades. Um, though I've always disputed that the, the, the guy standing behind the photograph in the pool was somehow holding, holding it, up it up. Because, yeah. it, you know, the tower, the tower does weigh quite a bit when it's fully assembled. And, mm. you know, if your flotation device is not sufficiently thick to rise high out of the waterline, it's going to be in danger of sagging and you know plunging that tower into the depths what about Um, that one that disappeared in the bermuda triangle (sighs) hey um but wait a minute Uh, there's there's the other three percent of those uh, comments that we haven't addressed how do you guys respond to this There was a guy uh who i'm not going to name though he has been a regular commentator and uh I really enjoy reading his stuff because it's it's very heartfelt praise. Um, there was a guy celebrating the fact that we play with our toys uh, as opposed to leaving them, you know, like museum pieces. Someone responded to that thread, and th- there were a bunch of comments thereafter, kind of uh, acknowledging that and saying, "Yeah, absolutely, this is this is great. Like, you know, these are being treated as as toys should be treated." And I kind of responded, trying to sit the fence and say. I have no uh, dislike for guys who do collect mint and keep their stuff well-preserved. In fact, it's guys like those that allow me to sleep at night, knowing that there will always be mint G.I. Joe toys in this world. Mm -hmm. This stuff will outlive all of us. But for G.I. Joe books purposes, we like loose, played with, we like toys that we can drag through the mud and throw into the ocean uh, without too much... Uh, you know, conscience being stepped on, um, because we're kind of doing it for everyone's benefit. We want we want people to enjoy us playing with our toys because, 
yeah, there is definitely a portion of us that believe these are toys and playthings that are meant to be played with. This guy shat all over that opinion. He was like, <laughs> I can't believe you guys trolling mint collectors. You know, th this is how we should be remembering this stuff. It's guys like you that are driving up the prices. Um, I'm wow. sick of being trolled by you loose collectors. I'm like, whoa, this is a, <laughs> this is definitely a sentiment I'm hearing for the first time. He was like <laughs> angry that people were playing with these vintage action figures. Um, and I am the owner of this channel, and I, I I'd like to think we have a, a sort of a soapbox that everyone can step to. But in the moment, I must say, I remove that comment with maximum yeah. prejudice. Yeah, it's, that, that's just that's just somebody trying to start a flame war, or start, trying to start shit. That's like, whatever. That's the most ridiculous thing. That's like, I'm sure HTC and uh, Form BX get it a lot as well, where oh, they sure. review a toy and then all of a sudden everybody's like, okay, well now the prices on Crimson Guards are going up, and it's like, no, prices. You know, if you're willing to pay sixty dollars for a GI Joe figure, well, that's your problem. That's exactly what you're gonna pay for it, yeah. yeah. I think it's the same. It's the same thing, like with people worrying, like you know, there's infighting between different content creators. Um, when we're playing with toys, we're not thinking about, you know, like, oh, if we if we put this one in the video, it, it, it you know, it'll drive the prices up because people start playing with their mint figures, and and then we'll make lots of money years from now. Yeah, there's no thing to do a like close up of cross country. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's not like it's not like <laughs> we out there like shooting videos and then all of a sudden like Kokomo Toys and Dallas Vintage Toys and you know whoever else on eBay like contacts us and goes, oh by the way, uh, do you think you could maybe feature this in your video? We we really have a few of these in stock. We, we just want to make some bank. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, because because I, I I don't know if if anyone's noticed yet, but but we we have so far very deliberately been going through years. Of the toys, mm. I'm pretty sure we must have mentioned this at some point as oh, well. Oh, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, well, no. we've hit a big tick box by having the USS flag. Now we can finally move on beyond 1985. Yes, but the, yes. there is there is a method voice. behind what we you know how we how we doing these things, but it, it it's nothing maniacal or you know like driving up prices. No one is paying us to play with specific toys it's we're literally just having fun although if you would like to pay us to play with Bastard. specific gi joe figures by all means please let us know by dropping us a, a dm on <laughs> facebook twitter or uh, instagram and we will throw you our rate card and we'll make it happen thank you <laughs> <laughs> money man paul hey, wow. you gotta balance you gotta you do you do you got to, I mean, we, you know, it doesn't hurt to make money to buy new toys. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, so it's all simple. Get famous enough and they give you the toys for free. With five-hour energy. Hey, how cool would that be? But, like, and, and you know, it's it's not just us as well. Like, sorry, and this is, like, the last thing I just want to just put on here. Like, I, I got to say, Larry Harmer is, has the patience of a saint. Because uh, if any of you listeners are part of Larry Homer's uh, friends list or on Facebook or follow his fan page, uh, you know, f uh, I think he, he calls it, it's just uh, faking it. I've uh, been faking it all my life, Larry Homer. That's his, like, fan page. He's like, yeah. uh, you know, he, he likes to, he's quite cheeky. I dig it because he'll post stuff sometimes and you'll just see what people, how people react and whatever. But, and sometimes guys will just, 
bring up like weird trolley kind of topics and things like that. And then he'll be like, he'll be quite civil about it. Be like, listen, dude, I don't want that. Like, don't do that. You know, I'll, I'm going to ban you. You know what I mean? I'm going to, uh, yeah. I'll just unfriend you, whatever. And then the guy will keep persist and he'll be like, unfriended. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Look, and the I, thing I is, saw like, that post as well. And he, he was saying like, if he's, uh, if he ever comes off sounding conservative, he's a fascist. If he ever comes off sounding liberal, he's a commie. You know, we've yeah. been called communists as well. Did you know that, guys? I did not know that. Mm, wow. Because I, I, I flagged that one, deleted it pretty quickly. But, like, someone was like, smells like commies in here. Anyways, I don't want to get political. I don't ever yeah, want to get that's political. Funny. And that's the reason but why the I'm not going to uh, entertain any discussion of that comic. But mm. just know, just know that, like, I think maybe by having a more international flavor, we are uh, perhaps considered the enemy. By some. <laughs> By some. Like a 2% out there. Wow. You know. Wow. But maybe it's, they were just it's having worth a bad reminding, day. It's worth reminding deep. everybody that this is essentially the first generation of social media. Like, there's a lot of people that don't understand what it means to throw your voice into the world. Mm. Yeah. I'm not saying I give people latitude, but people are still learning. That's That's worth mentioning. Yeah. But, you know, as awkward well as social media is, you know, it's also awkward. Some of the G.I. Joe weapons, some of those <laughs> weapons are awkward as all hell. And that is something we definitely want to talk about here on G.I. Joe Berg. I'm sure my esteemed posts <laughs> um, have some uh, G.I. Joe weapons that just spring to mind as awkward machines of death that should just never be used by any human being ever. So, who wants to go first, or should I just throw in an example? No. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you've been leading the charge enough tonight, and so has uh, has, has I. Uh, has so, I. I, I'm going to turn the mic on my man Rob for an awkful hey. weapon. Because I've got a Sounds few. Good to me. I, I, I was just giving him a well. chance to Google search. <laughs> so. yeah. oh. No, actually, like, like when you mentioned this this topic a while ago, like in the nineties, there was a lot of reuse of weapons. Um, probably, I mean, if if I was kind of coming at the subject really obtusely, I would say the most awkward thing is that you know the weapons come on giant trees, um, of plastic, and that they expect you to you know cut them out most of the time. Mm. Um, but, like, there was one gun that I noticed a couple of figures came with, but the one that kind of stood out for me, because, I mean, I had beef with this figure, was version 3 of Vichet, that kind of weird cop-looking version of him with his sock on, and he has, like, a hard helmet on. The awful version that I think I own now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Which is actually not too bad in hand, actually. No, no, yes, that's what I'm saying. In, in, in hand, it's just not that bad. But what is bad is the pistol he comes with. This very weird, kind of almost boomerang-looking pistol. Oh, the gun chucker! Which I've never, I've never understood. Because, like, is, is that like a counterweight? Is it like with, um, you know, with, with cameras when you film and you have those um, those rigs that kind of prevent... Yeah, steady cam. Is it a steady mm. gun? Does it make it easier to shoot? Like, that's the only justification I can think of why it has this under slung thing on it 
and it has never made any sense to me whatsoever. Um, he, I mean, he can hold it fine, but it just looks weird and makes no sense to me at all. Like, and comes I don't in get yellow, it. which and is comes only in yellow. I don't know if it's even an improvement on its original uh, baby blue no. with recoil. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I don't think anyone anyone's really sufficiently figured their way out of that one. But I do no, recall, it's... like, back in the day when kids brought recoil to play, like, in the tree. <laughs> like, no one really questioned it. I know, when you're four or five, it's just an accessory. Yeah. In fact, maybe therein it's lies its appeal. It's, it, it's so unique looking that that really kind of, like... It's, it's a case of perhaps the toy designers having the cake and eating it. Because... At age four or five, you're looking for something that makes a figure stand out. Like, mm. green army men never really appealed to me at that age, but you give them this weird sci-fi weapon and then do it in an outlandish color, all of a sudden, <laughs> my interests are more piqued. And as a result, I have a vivid memory of Recoil. It wasn't my figure, and it, it didn't stand out because it was green. This guy was playing with it in a tree. But because it had that... Gunchaka in powder blue. <laughs> it held my attention. And to this day, I have on. that lasting memory. Huh. I think we cracked the code, boys. My goodness. So it's not as awkward as I thought it was? Oh, no, it's awkward <laughs> as hell. I think that's the reason why it's so memorable. It's like you sit there scratching your head as to how this damn thing functions. Yeah, I, I kind of hope I'm not the only one who thinks that you throw it around like a boomerang. You're like... You know, you switch on a timer and then you throw it around and it spins and goes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's weapon. very dangerous. That's a lawsuit so waiting to happen. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the tree version that that uh, Beachhead has doesn't have the extra piece of plastic which sort of protrudes off the back of the gun to kind of give him, I don't know, elbow support. I'm looking. No, it, it does I'm, come with an as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, so my version, just the, the whoever the previous owner was, just cut it off along with the plastic yes. sprue, which is also confusing. <laughs> like this guy yeah. not only cuts off the the, the 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 arm brace or arm support or stock or whatever, but he also separated the grenade launcher from the the, the pistol. So yeah, it's. Uh, but that's it, the thing, though. Confusing. You've been trained. To kind of cut stuff off, off you know, trees or sprues or spews or whatever they're called. Sprues or whatever, yeah. Um, it, if if you don't realize this is supposed to be one thing, you could be like, oh, it's it's two weapons, okay? You know, <laughs> off, there's two guns. And many gun chuckers were were completely ruined. Oh jeez, oh, yeah. So so that's that's my pick. Um, it was quite Why easy. Why is it a gun chucker though, Paul? <laughs> it just looks like nunchucks to me. Like it's a it just gun. It's a gun meringue. Gun meringue, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we should take it to a poll. Maybe is it a gun meringue or a gun chucker? You know, both uh, trademarks. Gun meringue. Gun meringue. Gun meringue. Gun meringue. Oh no. Oh lord. Kujos. I look into your yeah. deep and distant past through my crystal ball, and I wonder, do I see any awkward weapons of G.I. Joe in your mind? That was amazing. Thank you. Um, I'm going to enjoy that in the re-listen. 
Uh, let's see. I, I, well, I'm trying to think about guns that have, like, uh, above and below. Didn't they have those in, uh, what was that, uh, the Black Hole back in 78 oh, yes. for Disney? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. And then, of course, they got, like, Star-Lord. That's an interesting design. Uh, oh, I, I think it's Galaxy Rangers also has a gun that looks like that. Is it Galaxy Rangers? Or Saber Riders, one of the two? They feel too cute, but uh, I, they do feel awkward. Let's see. I'm, 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 I'm giving you guys a softball on this one. Maybe, maybe it'll lead somewhere. <laughs> uh, I think for my awkward weapon, I'm going to go with Shadow Tracker's Mombele. Am I saying that right? Mombele. <laughs> You're asking me. Uh, well, it's an African weapon, I think. I will. Thank let you, me just, brother. Uh, let me Google. Let me Google it quickly. Um, seeing as we're speaking a little bit of African. But sounds perfect Yo. to me, my man. Thanks. Please don't call me a communist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, please don't. Yeah, the the West doesn't do ist. Uh, let's see. Um, no, I think. Uh, I think I don't know. Out west, knives are more simple. They're more functional. Like, oh, that. To have, yes. To have yes. that as, with an action figure, what is the range of motion with that weapon? But beyond that, it feels a little too visceral for an action figure. Guys, give me two seconds. I actually have a book for this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You've <laughs> seen Wait, what Shadow Tracker's face looks like, right, Cooge? I don't think it's sure. too visceral for that zombie-looking motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's... Hates I know. Is there like some? There's. Is there a real big shadow tracker fandom out there? Like, is did he ever hit with I anybody? Dude, no, the figure hit, hit a like way. a sledgehammer or cinder block. I mean that. <laughs> yeah, man. That that figure is very very popular, and for good okay, reason. So have you ever seen that kind of knife? Like just yes, it's up, a real knife. Decorative. No, it's not decorative. It's, it's actually. I've, a real, ne- I've never seen one in real life, but it's it's weird. It's like a combination knife axe. Kind yeah, I'm um, actually just looking through. I've got a book on swords, and I just want to just check. It's actually it's of African descent, uh, African or Turkish descent. I'm just want to just double check, but it's quite a bastard of a blade because its functionality is not very nice. It's uh, I mean no knife's functionality is nice. It all designed for stabbing, but this is one of those. It's designed to like cut you and then also like split open. Um, a bit of your sternum or something like that. It's and not it, it, pretty. It, yeah, okay, this, that brings up a lot of interesting thoughts. <laughs> okay, Dare so there's... awkward. Okay, so Ooh. I don't have one that looks exactly the same here, <laughs> but we've got two. We've got the bird-necked throwing knife, and we've also got the Congolese throwing knife, um, and they... Same kind of... Uh, same kind of... Or similar kind of design. It's got a sort of a, a crescent moon blade with more of a dagger on the back so it ha- and then it's got that little notch um in it they've always got a bit of a notch and that notch uh traditionally in swords uh is to often okay it's two things one thing is uh you're hit with the more blunt side of the weapon the curved side which is actually more of a cutting edge anyway and then you would ra- drive that into somebody's sternum um or into their throats or anything like that you know if you missed your strike so you could use it not just as a flailing weapon, but also as like a punching weapon, if that makes sense. I, and I, then, I think we're losing all but the sociopaths at this point. <laughs> but yeah. And then also, like um, 
And then you also get, because a lot of weapons in that time as well were either knives and or swords and or spears, it's also designed to sort of break that. So on the off chance when you're flailing this thing to defend yourself with it from a spear or something like that, um, the idea is that you can hook it in there. And if you've practiced with it quite a bit, I'm sure you can get your timing right that you get it, you know, once out of ten times if you're ready. So you're saying to (laughs) wield that weapon, you have to do a lot of wrist exercises. I think we're learning more about Shadow Tracker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and and not for no good reason. I mean, like, all that steel must make it a pretty weighty weapon. It's got several edges, so it's it's, Mm. it's gonna be heavy. It's gonna be axe-like, you know. You are gonna be, as you say, Paul, like, flailing it around like a blunt object. Mm. And yeah, a more dainty blade or spear should be broken by, by that kind of weight generation. I don't yeah, know. What do I know about melee weapons? It's so it's so intimidating, dude. It's it's a very intimidating thing. It's like the cookery. He also comes with a cookery, um, but uh, that's also just a curved sword. And the cookery is quite. I know it's such a weird when I, when you say it, it sounds like you're saying cookery, but it is actually how. You pronounce it, it's cookery. <laughs> and that's a Sri Lankan knife, if I'm not mistaken. And that is also very interesting. But we won't go into that. That's The Mambele is just scary. It's a scary, scary it's weapon. It's scary, but it, it looks weird. It does look and weird. I think it, it awkward. would be awkward. And awkward. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to throw one into the cauldron, and that's any weapon that has a chain that isn't soft. Uh, it started in 84 with Storm Shadow. At least that one was kind of bent over, so it looks slightly more natural when held in both hands. Slightly less natural when held in only one hand. Um, and m- most natural when it's completely hidden from view in, in his backpack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Nunchuck really ups the ante. I think he's the most ridiculous of all, because, you know, his, his signature weapon, Nunchuck's, and they decided to give the string to Dojo. Yeah. So Nunchuck's sitting with this, these like, basically like two TNT sticks that are connected <laughs> by this stiff cord. Um, and I, I'd say notable mention in this entry would be Buzz's sort of chain uh, sickle Nunchaku, um, which always just looks stiff. And, you know, these things never photograph well. And I can't imagine they played well either. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I ever used nunchuck with his nunchucks, which is a pity because nunchucks are such cool, kinetic weapons. Like, you'd be better off giving him uh, Snake Eyes version 3's three-section staff and yeah. using that to kind of flail around and generate uh, hits on opponents. And because, to be yeah, fair, as it's a say, more like, effective weapon. Well, d- yeah. I, I, look, the guy's called nunchuck. It's mm. a cool figure design. Yeah. It just has a stinker for a weapon. It's not like the solution wasn't staring the designers in the face. Because, as I say, in the very same wave, you had Dojo, who had that cool, like, sickle and spear. Yeah, like Kusari um, Gari. Kusari Gama. That's it. Thank mm. you, Paul. Kusari Gami. Kusari <laughs> There we go. Kusari It all sounds right to me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's going to be my first entry. What first, you, Paul? Whoa. Yeah, I got multiples, baby. Uh, my most awkward weapon has to be it's actually Sorry. a cool weapon but it is super awkward is heavy duties rocket launcher machine gun uh, belt 
strap-on combo. Recently featured in the IDW comics, I I saw it's, a yeah, scan I saw a panel from that as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's listen, it's a very cool weapon, and it's it's so cool that I actually feel that heavy duty is kind of really at, at like at a loss without it. If that makes sense, like there's nothing else that makes heavy duty that cool. And uh, you know, I don't know. I just I think he's a great he's a great figure by himself, but that backpack is just it adds a lot of personality. What I think is just really <laughs> odd about the whole thing, it just it's right there by his deck. <laughs> so he's got this like this super dangerous dick. And it what does it say on uh, it? It's like just right. You know? <laughs> oh no, just try it. It's like what? Here goes, here goes the promotional value of the podcast. There it goes. There it goes. <laughs> just try it. I'm gonna fuck you with my, my machine dong. <laughs> you know? uh, Double machine my... dong. Yes, yes with two like, missiles. Yeah, it just, you know, it just makes me think of that. You know, everybody like thought that joke in From Dust Till Dawn when Tom Savini, the special effects creator of the Friday the Thirteenth films and others, uh, featured mm. in Till Dawn. He's that guy that has the pistolero by his pistolero, and yes. everyone's like, ah, oh, he's got a gun by his dick, and I'm like. Heavy Duty did it already. (laughs) (laughs) Much better. Yeah, and what what inspired this was, um, you know, for shits and giggles, I go into to eBay just to pretend I'm I'm, I can buy things, and I was like, oh, my Heavy Duty really needs this um, strap on, and uh, I was looking around for it. It's such an awkward weapon. Like, what what do you type into the search for eBay for it? You know, Heavy Duty gun. A heavy, and then if you get like all of the the rise of cobra stuff, do you like no? Or well, pursuit of cobra. Did it work that. for you in aliens? Yes, but in aliens it was different because in aliens it's to the side, it's straddled on the side of it, and it just makes more sense. It just, it's just, it's counterbalanced. Well, let's let's put it this way: it just looks less sexual in aliens, which is quite <laughs> cool to say because in aliens, you know, the xenomorph is a very sexual. It's designed to play on your sexual fear, but like heavy duty is just like, yes, it's like he's locked, cocked, and ready to rock. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And yet, it kind of renders him redundant as an infantryman. Like if you got that thing on you, I mean, I I battle to see him in any other setting than like kneeling down and opening fire. Like to think of him like walking from place to place with this like portable sort of DJ booth. <laughs> DJ booth of death. I mean, it's like, come on, dude. Exactly how fast can you run with that shit? Yeah. I mean, it, listen, if Hideo Kojima had somehow put this into a Metal Gear Solid game and made it a boss, we would all be like, wow, that's such a good idea. You know, snake! Mm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like, doom, 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 doom. And then, gong, 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 as he, like, follows you around, you'd be like, this is totally cool. But in a G.I. Joe situation, Cobra's like, yeah, let's kill the green guy with lots of guns. I bet he can run fast. Look, even in the Vulcan Raven fights, okay, Vulcan Raven's got not only a enormous underslung minigun, but a gigantic Ooh. ammo backpack. Yeah. Raven is a giant. So mm. The proportions work out. Heavy Duty has the same proportions as pretty much every other G.I. Joe, albeit a bit thicker since he's a muscular dude. And he's got not one, but two BFGs and two machine guns and a backpack. Like, you know, it's 
it it he, he's doubling his size basically it it is he's carrying <laughs> another figure's um mass and girth around him it's awkward <laughs> it, it's real awkward this is probably one of the most awkward weapons i've seen but yeah, I'm gonna up it. Come on, oh, come oh, on, guys. What oh, is more awkward than Duke riding a BFG? Yes, <laughs> son. It is Doctor Strange love shit going on here. <laughs> there is no ways 1992's Duke can look good straddling that bad boy. Like it is just, it's just not right. What were they thinking? I mean, I know they were strag- struggling to like create new and creative ways for people to to use these bfgs um so i applaud the fact that they took it out of his hands or off his shoulder and kind of made it sort of a mounted weapon but then for him to mount it (laughs) it is just so triply unfortunate that the missile is also red okay But he's got this gigantic, like, he's wearing tan. He's got a gigantic tan gun with a red tip between his legs. I mean, there's no more, like, obscenely phallic G.I. Joe. I'm going to put that into the pot. I burnt my nuts to kill Cobra. Shit, it must be hot when a rocket comes out of that tube. Somebody actually bumped this figure in the tweets. (laughs) Today. You're kidding. Yeah, let's let's drive them eBay prices right up. That's, Look, that's the first cool time figure. I saw that figure. This is the first time I've heard it referenced. That's the first wow. time I've seen that card art. Guys, I'm shook. Dude, <laughs> that is should... crazy. Card art is one thing, but look at the valiant attempts on yojo.com to show the figure <laughs> all geared up. <laughs> I mean, this rocket launcher is on a tripod base towards the back of it. Like... If Duke gets a little buck wild on that sucker, it's going to take a nosedive. Surely. Surely the weight of it is... Oh, it is just unfortunate. If I recall, it comes with a little seat, doesn't it? Yeah, and two handles. It is totally... (laughs) It's playground equipment with a missile. Shit, I forgot how long I've seen this thing as I'm looking at it again. Oh, and he can carry it on his back. That's nice. (laughs) Like so many other weapons of the era, which just is laughable. I mean barricade with his gigantic yellow missile sticking up past his head like they tried to make backpacks out of a lot of these things and i like the backpack <sighs> ones to be fair i, I thought those were valiant attempts I like, like the backpack I like... ones that can kind of swivel forward into a firing mode fine yeah i thought that was but very like cool. with barricade you kind of have to slide it out to get into a firing position and mm. and with dukes i don't know man guy's gonna have some serious chiropractic bills yeah, geez, no, big time. And then, uh, like, the obvious one, and I, I'm glad nobody mentioned this because it's such an easy target, but Mace's gun. I mean, I just wanted to, I'm just mentioning it here before somebody goes and says, you guys forgot Mace's gun. Like, no, we didn't. <laughs> um, Mace and Muskrats. I mean, they, yeah. they, they doubled up on that, uh, death. I want machine. to see his Mace off. <laughs> 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 I was like, I loved Rob's reaction to that because like Rob saw Mace. I think we like I think I, somebody I saw gave the it, artwork. Well, no, the yeah, artwork no, yeah, we did the artwork 
for the, the episode. And I was like, yes. that's a cool artwork. And it looks cool because I thought it was mounted on his shoulder. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, Paul, you're like, but it's on the helmet. And then I looked no. at the picture of the figure and I was like, geez. Right. And I think Stephen was like, do you still want it? And I was like, no. Unfriend. <laughs> Unfriend. If you think carrying a giant gun on your back is a strain, try carrying it on your head. Not even no, exactly. it's on the side of your head. Oh Guys, I'm going to flip the script because we have been talking about giant weapons uh, quite mm. a bit. I'm going to go the other way and Uh-oh. go with awkward guns that are awkward because of how piddly they are. In 1985, we got a sort of ha- hand-operated uh, uh, artillery weapon soldier. I mean, the, the the word used at the time, and Harmer points it out, was uh, out of date by the time it was being used. Uh, his codename is Bazooka. Sorry, that was a rather <laughs> long-winded way of mentioning the name. But the first time I ever saw Bazooka, I was like, they must be joking, right? It mm. can't possibly be an anti-tank trooper with that thing. That thing yeah. is, it just looks woefully undersized. Maybe that it's was like what they were going gun. for. Maybe yeah. that was like, oh, uh, anti-tank weapons are so advanced, you can make them this portable. But like, in the very same year, you got uh, Footloose, who has a larger one, and <laughs> <laughs> Snow Serpent, <laughs> who has a larger one still. Um Ooh. And, you know, these guys are effectively, like, making each other redundant because they've, they've, they've all got these anti-tank missile launchers. And yet the guy whose who's, who's sole occupation it is to knock out tanks with, uh, with missiles or rockets, he's got this teensy tiny one. It just never looked right to me. Any other mm. opinions on Bazooka? Did anyone else find that jarring when they saw Bazooka? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, still, I still find it jarring. It's, like, it's, it's actually a weird thing for me because... Um, <laughs> I've only got Tiger Force Bazooka. It's like the only iteration of that figure I have. Um, and for some reason in my, in, I don't know why in my brain, I just thought that like, I mean, I know, I, like, I know it doesn't work like this. It's just in my brain. I just thought, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You can obviously slide it out to make it a full length Bazooka because that <laughs> makes sense, but that's not the case. So it's just like little Colk gun. You know, like little uh, hot glue gun. That's that's basically what it reminds me of. It's like it doesn't seem like he wants to destroy tanks. It looks like he wants to fix up their waterproofing. You know, with it. <laughs> it's he like... takes a shot at a bat in the uh, Sunbow cartoon uh, opening, the, the second season, as I recall. Uh, but they hooked him up with a much more substantial and much more sort of immediately recognizable style of of uh, missile launcher. The thing that's the thing that's funny about bazookas, though, is that they're actually not very big. Like, it's comic books um, and smart angles and video game, uh, smart angles on movies and video games that have made us think that they're quite big. But they, they're not really. Like, I'm not saying they're Are small. Are you thinking about, like, a, a law? Uh, is it a light artillery weapon? Yes, yeah, like well, the ones the... they use in um, Invasion USA. Yeah, but, I mean, those still oh. have a, a, a sort of a pop-out slide... Uh, towards the back. Yeah, like well, they, there's... Like, the... Sure, they, they can kind of be collapsed downwards. Um, yeah. which I no, that's correct. Is, they can't be. As you pointed out, that's maybe what Bazooka's uh, is, is doing. It's sort of... In its collapsed mode. 
which isn't and that much fun. Time. And then there's also there's also <laughs> a South African. Um, I'm actually just looking it up on Google now. Um, but there's a South African bazooka that's actually quite small as well, and it's green. And I remember when I first saw it, I actually thought it was just a tube um, for storing ammo. I mean, I was a kid. Um, but my dad was like, no, it's actually a legit bazooka. It looks like like installation tube for, for um, gutters and stuff like that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, maybe, maybe there are really compact anti-tank weapons out there. And there probably are. Um, it's all about the efficacy of the warhead, perhaps, <laughs> and, and less about it packing a big explosive po- pa- payload. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a child observing this figure for the first time, and I was the right age, you know, to be the target market for it, I was like, I'm never going to get that because this guy does, you know, this weapon looks pathetic. It makes you know, no sooner, sense. I'd sooner hook him up with a, a core bazooka. Or rocket launcher, or whatever those those you know, sort of I, more substantial things are that also have <laughs> effectively the the warhead sort of edging out of the tube. <laughs> there was also there was a GI Joe uh, figure. I'm just trying to think of who it is now. It's um he's actually got it's a, a vintage uh, Joe that has a bazooka that does have that slide out mechanism. Um, perhaps uh, you said it earlier. Range viper. Uh, is it range? Is it range viper? Yeah, uh, I'm thinking now. Anyway, I just remember David shouting at me because I thought the mechanism, I thought it had like a feature. So I thought you basically put that in there and then blow it out. <laughs> wow, he was pissed off with me that day. <laughs> Sounds perfectly re- perfectly reasonable to me. It's a pea shooter for you. Yeah. You just go, 1990 was the, the, the era of the sort of the, the, the flick launcher. Salvo had mm. it and the, the hammer had it. So yeah, a blow blowgun style um launch mechanism you put your little yeah. lips onto the little grape bazooka and you just blow oh i used to get upset with people for putting accessories in their mouths oh boy my, <laughs> my across the road neighbors used to come around and they had this annoying habit of like like if they had the figure in their hands and they needed to like take the weapon out and change it for another one they'd put the the gun in their mouth uh, yeah, and i yeah. was convinced they were biting it <laughs> and i swear like i said wesley don't bite that rifle. Stop eating my guns, Wesley. There Jeez. are teeth marks. I saw there are teeth marks at the front of my Rock Viper rifle. Mm. <laughs> and to this day, it's still got a bitten down um, gun barrel. Yeah. Well, it's not going to fix itself. I know. Oh, but like, Wesley, con- he, he tried convincing me that he wasn't biting. No, man, I'm not biting it. I'm like, dude, what is that? That's a tooth mark. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, as well, yeah, I could... Like with with putting something in your mouth, you know, like that chewing action sometimes can be quite involuntary, you know, like the biting. So don't put thing. my accessories in your mouth, please, if you have involuntary <laughs> chewing action. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I, I applaud your attempts at uh, defending Wesley's, uh, geez, oh. he must have been about five or six back then. Well, then he definitely has no fucking mandible control. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. When I was five or six, I was chewing everything. Uh, I mean, I was biting off Lego blocks, you know, like when you couldn't separate them into your tiny little six-year-old child hands, and I was like, with my teeth. <laughs> yeah, there are teeth marks on my Lego, too. Anyways, uh, does anyone else have any notables they want to throw in? Uh, no, I'm... Dainty I'm weapons? 
dainty Thanks. weapons. I think you've found the best example, Stephen. Like, everything else I can think of is too big. <laughs> right well, on, right on. I think with Bazooka, like, yeah, if you go with the mythology, but if you go with the design, he kind of feels like what maybe a Wolverine from that one movie would have felt like, where Cobra invades and this dude's wearing a football jersey. He grabs, like, a, I don't know, He's indirect. I mean, he's not in the line of fire. He's probably across from a hill, shoots a little rocket over it, blows up a his tank, a bunch of people get away. Dude, Bazooka saved our ass. And then everybody takes off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Another perspective of what that could be, and I think Steve touched on this a little earlier, is that maybe having a Bazooka of that size was actually quite sort of futuristic, and that was seen as, as the way forward sort of in war. Um, or in anti-terrorism or whatever they wanted to call it back then. Um, and maybe like that was quite an, an advancement in technology, you know, sort of having works this uh, pseudo anti-tank weapon <laughs> that, that is tiny that you can carry around with you, you know. But it unfortunately also has a really small handle. Yeah. <laughs> it was a backlash thing. from uh, all the broken thumbs that Zap yielded because that was a big gun. Oh, goodness. If a gun barrel was crooked, that's that's too dainty. I think, like, Cobra Officer's AK-47 was a little too lean. I'm not going to overthink it, though. Mm. The proportions <laughs> on that gun are perfect, if you ask me. But, yeah, it did lead to many a bent AK-47. They were stingy with the plastic in the 80s. <laughs> but then in 1986, they started oversizing, didn't they? Yeah. Like... Like many, I'm sure many a low light and uh, iceberg have their thumbs broken by those enormous handles. I think there's just enough time to talk maybe a little upcoming G.I. Joe events or I guess upcoming festivals. Yeah, I was going to mention in passing the uh, Eco Warriors weapon, which I've always liked the sculpt of, but sadly, having any kind of tube coming off the back of your gun and connecting to your backpack often kind of throws the gun into kind of a, a crooked posture. So your options also, are get rid of the tube or have this gun constantly kind of curved away from the uh, the direction of the figure's arm, which, as I say, is unfortunate because I like the design of the Eco-Warrior sort of primary anti-tox weapon. Mm-hmm. I yes. like that big gun that came with the flint, but I like the one that came with the Star Brigade even more because the handle is better suited for the hands of G.I. Joe toys. Oh, no, I'm referring to the water squirting guns. No, I know, I know, but I'm, I'm just, uh, in, in addition, I'm just saying, I also like that one giant weapon that came with flint, that, like, yeah. BFG. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just it's not good for their hands. <laughs> it's very, very yeah. 90s. Very, uh, like, if you were a fan very of what, like, sort of Rob Liefeld was doing at the time... Those oversized guns with the sort of, like, really smoothed-off looks and square looks, um, they were all the rage. So, I really like the design, as I say, of the, the Eco-Warrior weapons, but, man, did they always look awkward when you had the whole hose hookup attached. Anyways, that's it for awkward weapons. For me, Kuja wants to talk about cons. Robert, this is a South African podcast. Would you like to uh, lead on off? Oh, absolutely. I think before we get very specific with G.I. Joe... <clears throat> we're global. Um, we're global, Cooge. But we're not... We're global. definitely global. Some say um, worldwide. 
you could say that. Uh, Northern and Hemisphere. And Hemisphere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 1am. <laughs> um, yeah, soon um, FanCon is going to happen again. Um, it's the fourth year? Fourth year? <laughs> it's our annual event in Cape Town, our comic convention. And we've got a bunch of really awesome artists and, and writers coming down, um, including Brian Stelfreeze. Um, oh, wow. Know, yeah, he's done a bunch of absolutely amazing stuff. Um, recently, Black Panther and originally um, a lot of amazing Batman covers um, in the 80s and like late and early 90s. Um, and also from uh, Sana Takeda, who, who's, who's big on uh, Monsters right now, a, a title from Image. She's the artist uh-huh. for that. Um, super excited to kind of like pick her brain because, I mean, Monsters is very like... At least to me, it's very manga and anime inspired. Um, mm. The designs and her, her art is very detailed. Um, and yeah, um, we've got a couple of cool cosplayers coming, and I, I think it's going to be a really big event. Um, yeah, and and we've even diversified. I'm very excited about our advertising. We even have a truck or, or like a van driving around with a big advert on it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know why that excites Vote me. Mayor Goldie Wilson. <laughs> but but it makes me happy because like I I do most of the, or at least I I do you know help with the designing oh, the of graphics. all of the ads and stuff. Yes. So oh, that cool makes feeling. me. It's it's amazing to actually you know know it's out there, and people oh, are oh. seeing it, and and they're like wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I got your Back uh, to the Future uh, reference by the way, Paul. Thank you. I saw it on my last plane trip. Hey, if that isn't the perfect movie, I don't know what is. There is no perfect movie except that one. Indiana Jones, uh, uh, Indiana Jones, and um, and that movie are perfect movies. And Jurassic Park. But anyway, carry on. And Ghostbusters and and Star Star Wars. Wars. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got Uh, you got to you got to choose one. You can't have them all. Um, But yeah, so I think in general it's going to be a really cool and big event, and I'm I'm pretty excited. And it'll be the last year, apparently, that we'll be doing it in April. Um, we'll be moving it to a different month next year, I think. I, Not sure I when. know why. <laughs> All right, yeah, no, there was there was a big announcement. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, there, there's be, um, I don't want to ro- uh, ruin Rob's um, vibe with this. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's controversy, Rob. I think it's just weird. But um, South mm-hmm. African SA Comic Con... Um, is also going to be in Cape Town this year as well. Yes. Um, well, not this year, next year. Next year, and they've booked it for the same date that FanCon is usually on. Correct, um, yes. Yes, so, I mean, <clears throat> let's be open-minded. I don't know if that was... I, I, I'm just going to accept that maybe it was a clerical error or whatever, and, you know, um, let's, let's just say that we hope it's that. We don't want to stir up any controversy. But, yeah, anyway, that's the game plan, because apparently they, it's South Africa. You can only have one of everything. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, so you're yes, they, allowed to have one game spawn. Yeah, so, yeah. In each city. But, I mean, apparently they're still going to have it in Johannesburg. So South Africa Con will be in Johannesburg, and then Cape Town Comic Con will be in Cape Town. Um but luckily, um, actually, it doesn't because apparently we were always going to be moving from April. We just mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to announce it yet. 
Um, so it 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 just it worked out like that. Um, yeah, I see. no drama. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no real drama. <laughs> but um, I just, I, yeah. <clears throat> it's just interesting. Sorry, sorry. It it's just interesting that 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 um. The, the comic scene is exploding so much in South Africa that we, I mean, we're supporting multiple conventions now, which I think is really quite cool. I mean, for, for many years, we also had Rage. I mean, Rage is very much, I think, a comic convention, even though it is, you know, there's a big focus on the, you know, the gaming side of things. But then so did South Africa Comic Con, apparently. Um, but, I mean, us, at least, or us, FanCon, is very much it's focused. It's it's a comic convention. It's about the comic books, about comic fans. Um, so I think that's one thing that we can claim a, that's different from all the other ones that are happening right now. Yeah, and that will be brand. happening. Yeah, it's not a yeah. brand at all. It's just, it's just we we're trying to give a more authentic uh, experience. I think. But um, no, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's yeah. A, that's a general co- convention that's coming up. Um. Kujo, are you going to any G.I. Joe convention soon? Possibly. Um, What's the dates? What's the dates on FanCon one more time? Oh, FanCon is the the 27th and 28th of April. So it's a week before Free Comic Book Day. (laughs) Um, Well, I think whatever, if you have two uh, conventions uh, at the same time, always go to the smaller one. Uh, I think, at least in my experience, uh, you have you have a way better time if you have a little bit of room, and uh, it doesn't matter how big the name is. It's just about good conversation. Um, let's see. Joe Fest. I don't know. My, my, my rule of thumb is if you want pops, go to the big convention. If you want toys, go to the small convention. <laughs> we'll have both. <laughs> Yeah. Joe Fest is late June. That's two months and change. What can't oh. you do in two months? That's what I'm saying. Um, let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and light uh, hashtag Road to Joe Fest. Uh, if you want to do Joe Fest in caps, it'll be cleaner to read. But uh, it's nothing sponsored. It's uh, if you're making a move in the direction of Joe Fest, drop the hashtag. It's about the journey. You know that. Um, if a figure, mm-hmm. if a figure is traveling with you on the way, if you're putting in extra hours at work so you can afford to get there, <laughs> do it. Um, I think your playlist for Joe Fest, at least right now, would start with uh, Full Force when he interviewed Bobby Valla. Uh, that's only a couple episodes ago. Uh, I'll get to Valla in a second. Um, the next one would be probably Viper's Pit. Uh, who did a direct or did a podcast uh, maybe one or two ago for Joe Fest? Uh, interviewed Ed, who's putting it on. I think if you want to get a good sense of the spirit of GI Joe, that's a good listen. Um, give you a lot of entry points to to the uh, fest itself. <clears throat> um, the next one would probably be Talking Joe. They interviewed Chad Bowers. He's going to be a writer there. He's been doing work with uh, Fife. Uh, if, if that vibes, um, but, uh, that, there's a podcast and, uh, I think Joe, I, I don't know if we'll chat it up again too much in a podcast form, but you'll definitely hear about it from me. Uh, why not? Let's have a good time this summer. I'll get there. Uh, I'll drop some names. Uh, if you need some context, Mark Bellamo is going to be there. He, he's, he's oh, cool. not a new name. 
but I mean, you've probably had his book on your coffee table or in your bathroom for, I don't know, how long? Um, you got a coffee was... table in your bathroom? Either oh, or, brother. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's a big bathroom. <laughs> I'm more perturbed by, like, having a coffee while on the shitter. <laughs> you want to make sure that movement stays smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Stephen is referring to diuretics, but I digress. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, if you don't have Bellamo's latest edition, there you go. Um, you also got Bowers, like I mentioned. Uh, I haven't read his his breakdowns of, of things after FIFA's work, but I'm definitely interested. He kind of has like, and don't spin this, but. His his uh, Twitter AVI looks a little Kenny Powers ish, uh, if you can follow that. Um, so I'll definitely chat him up. Uh, some other people, Brian Sherrier, uh, you know him from the pages of IDW, also a creative live streamer. Um, does his uh, his line art kind of? I think it appeals to maybe people with more structural integrity and stuff. You got any opinions on your side? Brian Sherrier. Uh, check. Yeah. No, I, I I know his name. I just want to make sure I've got the right artists, uh, the right artwork right, well, in my brain. Take uh, your time. Um, I'll keep moving. Uh, Kickley. I want to say he started out in France. I believe he's in Minneapolis now, so the trip's not going to be so brutal. That's the dude that's uh, been dropping uh, vibrant GI Joe mm. pics on your timeline, whether it's Instagram or Twitter. Uh, what I what I feel about his artwork is uh. It, it it's not you know some people draw GI Joe and Cobra with intensity his is more just a vibrant picture you know he's given life to a lot of vehicles that you know I've seen some years but uh but he's also never divorcing it from its source material never kind of extrapolating that's a good call he he draws articulation points dude well, that's a, that's a good point that's a good point um Damon Bat's gonna be there he's got artwork hanging up in Slaughter's house do you? Uh, chat him up. You might want to grab one of oh, his prints and uh, get it signed. Uh, I'll get there in a second. Um, who else we got? Toy designer Bobby Valla. I mentioned him. I'm going to mention yeah, him again. Bobby. Just so it soaks in. I want to say he is Action Force now. Don't don't take my word. Listen to that uh, full force interview. But uh, if he's carrying that brand, chat him up. Uh, everything's living, breathing. Get to know a new brand. You think Hasbro is going to evolve overnight? Uh, chat va- Babby Vala up. Um, let's see. Cosplay side, you got the finest. I oh, just and, talked to and check out. Yeah. Sorry, and check out Bobby's Kickstarter for his Action Force line that he's doing. It's really fantastic. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are are keen to move on to six inch GI Joes. Um, uh, me, I'm not keen to move. Yeah, so uh, I, I'll definitely want to pick up one of them to support the bad, the the big bad man because he's he's cool. He's a very very cool guy and he's a he's a seasoned toy um, designer, and he really loves this brand. That's Joe. Even if you don't throw money at the um, Kickstarter, or even if you don't want six inch uh, sort of modern military action figures, I would encourage you to go onto Valiverse.com and just yeah. sign up for their newsletter anyway. It costs you absolutely nothing. You can show your support. You can just become part of the clan and help spread the word. Like, that is that is the power of the internet. You don't have to necessarily mm-hmm. throw your credit card details around. You can support just by clicking. Yeah. 
Social equity, baby. Mm. All right, let me keep moving. Um, Cosplay, you got the finest. I just crossed paths with them in Kansas City. They had the repurposed watchtower. They had major blood up in that thing on the floor. They're not playing around. Um, I did talk to the guy that runs it. His name escapes me, but he does have a really tight mustache. That was a pleasure, brother. I'll see you in uh, Georgia. Let's see. If if you want to talk heavies, uh, obviously Hama. Um, yeah, the, opinions are all over the place about people's work. That that's that's the beauty of conversation. Hama gave us the keys. You want to thank him one more time? I think I do. Uh, so I'll, he's going to be there. Root at the dude that created the spiciest <laughs> logo of all time, the Cobra Head. Come on, um, he's going to be there. No yeah. said. Yeah, don't undersell them, man. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is this is the one that really got me, Sergeant Slaughter. Look, <laughs> here's the thing. Yes, there are celebrities and stuff. He reps it the right way. He does not have to throw camel clutches on everybody for the last ten years, but he has. You know what I mean? Uh, and and if you're lucky, he'll throw one on you <laughs> in Georgia. So Slaughter's gonna be there. He's good vibes for days. Um, but here's here's the good stuff. Who's going to be there media-wise? I'm, I'm going to do this quick. HCC. Joe Battlelines, Fred. He's held it down for so long, I'm always going to give him respect. Uh, Full Force is going to be there, enough said. Joe Declassified. I don't know if they're laying in the reads. They don't move too much on Twitter, but they're going to be there. Um, HCC, as you said, he's got a panel. That's, that's flexing the right way. Plastic Battles is going to be there. I don't know if he's bringing anything creative. But you know he uh, he's always going to bring some picks, as well as Special Mission Force is doing like a uh, photograph contest contest on Saturday, so pay attention mm. to his stream to uh, pick up the details on that. Uh, also, uh, one of the deepest in the Joburg game, Dragon Fortress is going to be there. Uh, cheers, brother. I'm sure we'll chat there. Um, let's see. Am I missing anybody? Those are just folks I'm going to chat up. As I said, I'll be there, and this is where you get introduced to the Black Book. <laughs> what is the Black Book? Is it a comic? No. It's a blueprint. Is it a new IP? No. It's a blueprint. It is a multi-continental, multimedia uh, collaboration. If, if the blueprint is correct, it'll bring another guest to Georgia. So... I'll chat about that in about seven days. You'll probably see a video pop up. Stay tuned. I think that's all I got for Georgia right now and Joe Fest. Hashtag road to Joe Fest. You feel me? I think uh, Top Shelf Rick, right? One more time, baby. Let's do it. I'll see you guys there. Oh, yeah. Sounds amazing. Wow. It's, it's going to be an absolute blast. Wow. I'll be following closely. <laughs> as will I in closing before you enclose us guys uh, like I'm trying to be kind of low key about this because I don't want to make like a big thing out of it um, but G.I. Joe Berg has got some G.I. Joe Berg merch uh, it is for sale on our Teespring uh, and Redbubble stores so if you wanted your own G.I. Joe Berg shirt um, they are up there, or G.I. Joe Berg, the bed cover, or G.I. Joe Berg, the pillow, the coffee mug, and the phone cover. 
um, to mention some. Uh, we also have ladies' shirts and kiddies' shirts as well as baby shirts as well. Um, but the baby shirts is just the logo tee for now. Um, until I get wow. requests for otherwise. Um, I am trying, the G.I. Joburg logo tee is going to be a permanent fixture, but the other artworks that, um, I do for the shirts are going to rotate. I am going to try and keep those, uh, sort of as a limited edition thing. Um, just so that when people buy them, you feel special that only a few of you have them. Um, because it's always nice to have something that's uniquely yours. Um, listen, it's always nice to make a little bit of money out of this and the money that's made from it goes directly into the hobby and into the channel. And in some cases actually just helping me to pay bills so that I can actually, you know, um, do what I do. But, but more important than that, yeah, it's just because I'm sure some of you want to share, share the love and I'm sure some of you actually like the artwork and like the stuff that we do. And, uh, it is available there for you to check out. Um, Teespring is really super awesome. Uh, with their shipping and everything, they are super efficient. You don't have to worry about credit card details. And, uh, yeah, uh, um, that's, that's, you just have to type in GI Joe book. So that's just a small plug because I don't want to like make link a- in the episode description. Yes, we will do that. And then also I just wanted to just quickly shout out before I forget, um, because we have lots of cool people and, you know, we're talking about, uh, social equity or social media equity or whatever it's called. Cujo's thrown the line. You've heard it in the show. Um, but there's this really awesome guy called Brian Miller. And uh, I'll also put his link in our podcast, Podbean, and I'll also pop it up on our Instagram after this episode goes live. He's got some um, – no, actually, I have to do it before then because the availability on this ends on Friday, the, a- April 19th. It's uh, 35% off these fantastic G.I. Joe prints. Uh, one is of the Sky Striker and the other is of the Rattler. They are silkscreen prints. Uh, they measure, measure 24 by 18 inches. They're signed by the artist and they come with a certificate of authenticity. And these were uh, uh, previously San Diego Comic Cons or they were con exclusives. Uh, no, they were collector sets. And yeah, wow, these are really, really, really amazing. I would totally have these in my collection. Um, so check them out. Uh, but check out that link for more details and uh, yeah, hit up. Hit up good old Brian Miller. He'll hook you up. He will even do cool bulk shipping discounts for you if you and your friends want to get in. So check that out. Cool. Bam. Well, we didn't do a new shit section, so I'll save my new shit, I guess. Uh, but in parting, I want to pose you guys a bit of a quandary. So I like to travel with some toys in hand. And since I was going to very coastal regions of the world with tropical waters, I took a lot of aquatic stuff. One of them being a hydro sled, which was a donation. Um, very kind one, because I don't think I ever would have prioritized going after this little nugget of cobra aquatic power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a pretty hardy toy. I didn't have any real qualms about traveling with it, because, you know, there's nothing that can really break. I kind of broke it down a little bit in packing it, uh, sort of took off the, the front shunt and the gun from the front, from the nose, and I just chucked it in a bag with a badger, G.I. Joe badger. Thinking nothing of it, nothing could possibly go wrong, it was just sort of in this Ziploc bag, in the bottom of my backpack, in and out of carry-on you know, luggage bins mm. and under seats and whatnot. I pull it out and... Damn, something sharp in the on the badger. Maybe it was the the brush bar. Uh, 
Dance to Mary Jig on the sort of console sticker. Oh. Mm. In the sort of the, the, the central column. Uh, and, and it's, it pretty much scrapes the, the sticker clean in some places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the sticker is a total loss. And unfortunately, I really like screens. So I don't know if I can abide by that. Now, the Hydro Sled is not a very expensive piece to replace. In fact, it is cheaper to buy a whole new Hydro Sled than it would be <laughs> to buy a set of reproduction stickers. Let that sink in. I think this is your really so, long way of saying that you're falling in love with the Hydro Sled. Nice. <laughs> um, like, it, it couldn't hurt. I mean, look. I wouldn't mind taking one of those off your hands. But I mean, you know, seeing as you don't okay, want duplicates so, in your collection. <laughs> okay, so, Paul, you, you would say leave one with a tarnished console sticker in this world. Don't make attempts to, you know, make that toy be all that it can be actually sort of give up on it and, and, and discard it in, in favor of a new one. No, 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 I wouldn't. Um, okay, no, you see, I'm funny like that. Like, if it's mine, then it's mine, then I want to try and get repro stickers. But in this situation that you face, that you find yourself in, and, and yours is a unique situation in the sense that, you know, we're G.I. Joburg and not all of us have hydro sleds. If you bought a second one, I would happily, for example, buy your double off you, the one without the screen, and... I'll just go and get like a screen sticker printed or something and make like my own little one or something. You know, that'll be like 30 bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that wouldn't be like the end of the world for me. Um, because like with something like that, I mean, it's a hydro sled. It's not like this holy grail of GI Joe collecting. So it's not like I'm going to have, I'm, it's not like I'm going to feel the need to go and get like the best repro labels or anything for that. Um, and if you can get a new one cheaper than repro labels, hey, hell, well, not, why not? And, you know, even if you don't want to sell the second one, two Hydra sleds in a G.I. Joburg video would look pretty sweet, especially if I could make you a new sticker for your other one. So I just need the measurements. Hmm. Yeah. So, I think I could make a case for the torpedoes on the Hydra sled being at least one of the more aesthetically pleasing missile type things in the line. I said they look pretty good. I'll second that. Robbie, what would you do in this position? I would rather just have an yeah, an original. I mean, don't replace the stickers with repro labels. I mean that's <sighs> then it's not it's, it's not original anymore. But the the original sticker is destroyed. Like it it's an eyesore. You know. It's kind of just replace the whole thing. Half there, half not. The whole <laughs> thing with with okay with the brand new old old one. Yeah, look, I mean, therein lies a complication as well because yeah, sure, you could get one on the cheap, but chances are those stickers have issues as well. They're slightly wonky, mm. or you know, they're a bit scratched up themselves. Well, then I suppose the. the the question is, have you have you already used repro stickers on other toys in your collection? If you have, then the, the choice seems quite quite straightforward. Get the repro stickers. I've used repro stickers on a toy in your collection, Rob. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with no. with your permission as well. 
Oh no, so, what have I done to myself? Dun, dun, dun. I'm afraid your stance <laughs> on uh, it's gotta be original is uh, <laughs> is falling down around you. <laughs> what works for the, the 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 cow doesn't work for the gander, or however the phrase goes. <laughs> Good uh, metaphors. Well played. <laughs> If if you want to be absolutely certain that you get proper stickers, get the Reaper stickers. But if you want things to be completely original and take that chance of getting, you know, a sticker that isn't so good, buy the whole new thing. The whole new, you know, the whole thing again. I don't know. I, I don't think I was very much helpful with this. <laughs> so, thanks everyone for joining us for episode 138 of G.I. Joburg. It's been a blast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, Kujo will see you at Joefest, <laughs> and you will maybe see pictures um, of me at, at FanCon. Um, it would be cool if some of you came down, but that's okay. I'll pop them on the Insta, dude. Hey, yeah. there we go. Just send them, send them to me. Send them uh, to me. Oh, I'm going to do that. And uh, yeah, grab yourselves a Hydra Sled real quick, because the prices are going to go up. <laughs> they Sorry. are. Hint, hint. <laughs> well, I actually bought Repro labels. Sorry, Paul. Oh. Oh. He, he just wanted to see where Shit. we fell on this debate. Uh, it's only money, right? It is only money. Um, I, I still want to buy repro labels for my Cobra Bug and for my Night Raven. Like, I really badly want to buy uh, Raven, Bug, and Condor labels. Like, do it. Bad, do and it. Tiger Force as well. I'd love to get for my Tiger Shark is the, the mouth and the eyes uh, for my Tiger Shark are like, well, the mouth is just badly placed. And I don't want to take them off and try to reapply them because that's not going to work. So I posed the yeah. question on Facebook: like, does anyone have tiger sharks with good mouths? Like mine, I have two tiger sharks, and both of them are like, you know, <laughs> clearly. Well, clearly, the person applying them couldn't wrap their mind around how it was supposed to wrap around the hull, and I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> My 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 own tiger shark doesn't wrap around at all. I just kind of like stuck the mouth along the side. Mm-hmm. But I would be very curious to try try my hand as an adult at like getting it to fit perfectly and wrap around, kind of end in a logical alignment. Like that's that's an art form. Maybe you actually have to start on the inside of those two pontoons and and work your way back outwards. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? Well, Possibly. I know. Anyways, I, I'm I, with I you. I mean, I do decals on Gundam, so I feel you. So. Sure. we got a cool episode of, of the YouTube coming in. Applying Repro Labels with G.I. Joburg. Actually, that, that is actually a good idea. We should do that. Excellent. It well, will be very, very satisfying <laughs> to my OCD to see a correctly applied Tiger Shark mouth happening mm. live before my eyes it's gonna be mm. amazing stay tuned uh, listeners and watchers <laughs> good night everybody cool adios dudes i'll save my new toy section for next time oh yay something to look forward to 139 laters laters peace